Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And today's show is being hosted by Marissa and Peter, who is also in the studio. First up on the show, we we are hopefully going to be speaking with Marianne McKay, who's a lovely First Nations um, woman and activist, and she's from Western Australia. We interviewed her father uh, a couple of weeks ago about Rottnest Island and the penal settlement over there and some of the historical um, brutalities that were happening in terms of the prisoners in the 1830s and around that time. However, Marianne may not be available, and we do have, for the first interview, if she's not available, Ian Rintel, and he's from the Refugee Action Coalition. And we're going to be speaking with Ian about some of the mental health problems that refugees are experiencing in the hotel in Brisbane, and we will be speaking to him about a suicide attempt as well by one of the asylum seekers, a warning to listeners that some of this material could be confronting and that there may be audio audio representations of death. Um. It's approximately it's approximately four oh one, and we're speaking now with um, no with no one as yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, it's good to have a laugh. The second interview that we're going to be looking at is we will be speaking with Mina Singh from the Human Rights Law Centre and we're going to be speaking with her about a media release that was just put out this morning from the Human Rights Law Centre with a number of other organisations. We will be speaking with Mina about the Queensland Parliament um, and looking at the fact that there are proposed laws um, that will marginalise children Um, in the criminal legal system. So basically, the Queensland Government, if these laws are passed, will entrench children from marginalised backgrounds in the quicksand of the youth legal system. And the Youth Justice and Other Legislation Amendment Bill 2021 proposes laws that reverse the presumption of bail for children who re-offend in certain circumstances. And we'll be speaking with um, Mina about that and about calls for children aged 16 and 17 years old to be shackled. They're going to be shackled with electronic tracking devices if the laws come through and makes breach of bail an aggravating factor in the sentencing of children. Now we have um, Ian on line four. And hello, Ian. Welcome to the program. 
Yep, hey, Marissa. This is guerrilla radio at its best. This reminds me of the old days before the pandemic. <laughs> it, it's approximately four oh three. It's always different when you have when you have two people in the studio instead of one. I was doing my show from home for such a long time. Yes, yes, okay. So just to remind listeners, this is Ian from the Refugee Action Coalition. And Ian, I'm wondering if you could just talk about what's been happening in Brisbane with the refugees and in the hotel and what hotel is it and what happened? Uh, well, most most of the people are in Kangaroo Point. There's another hotel they use, as sort of, but it's very a temporary thing. It's American apartments, actually, for people who want to know. But, uh, but most of the people are in uh, Kangaroo Point. Um, we had a release from Kangaroo Point like two weeks ago. Now uh, we had 50 people over two days uh, released from Kangaroo Point and and Bida. So it was um, maybe five out of Bida and 45 out of the. You know, Kangaroo Point uh, Hotel Central Apartments. Uh, so there's still uh, 22 people in, you know, in Kangaroo Point. Um, but uh, the, and and the other people have been released. Have been released on bridging visas. So there's a big, you know, flurry of activity in, you know, in Brisbane. Um, you know, to fundraise and uh, to find uh, the services that uh, you know. All those people are going to need now they are in the community because they are being dumped like the people in Melbourne. They're just being dumped on, you know, bridging visa ease uh, with work rights uh, but, and Medicare, but um, no uh, long-term accommodation, no long-term income support, no access to Centrelink and, of course, all the other things, you know, because they're not uh, recognised as refugees in the community. They've got temporary visas that are only for six months. They're not allowed to travel. There's no family reunion, all the things that make life, uh, you know, hell and impossible for, you know, people, other people who are on, you know, those similar kinds of temporary, you know, visas. But uh, the idea that someone can be kept in detention for, you know, eight years uh, in, um, in, um, you know, Manus and Port Moresby and then in Australia, then be released into the community with a, you know, what's called a final departure bridging visa E, uh, six months, so you go up to an employer and say, you know, look, I'm interested in working. Um, you've got a final departure, <laughs> bridging visa E for six months. You know, like, sorry, Murray. Um, so uh, there's a big flow of activity in Brisbane at the moment try to, to try to find, the, you know, the money and the services that's going to be necessary to, you know, support the people who have been released. And, of course, on the other hand, there's still a big push. Uh, the protests outside Kangaroo Point have increased um, and outside Bider as well, for that matter, uh, to demand, you know, we need to get everybody out, even though it's very difficult on the outside. It's hell and torture on the inside. We need everybody out of those, uh, the hotel, everyone out of detention. So basically, just to set the scene, Ian, just for listeners, the release of Medivac refugees from the Kangaroo Point Hotel, that was earlier this week, wasn't it? And it's increased the uncertainty and anxiety among those left behind. And that's created a mental health crisis in the Brisbane detention centres, hasn't it? Yes, it's actually two weeks now, uh, Marissa. Okay. Yeah, since the release, but... Yes, the, what's happened, you know, with the people who are still in Kangaroo Point and in Bida, um, they've not got no explanation about, you know, why they haven't been released. You know, so we've had um, 113, I think it is, of the 194 uh, Medivac refugees have been released, but, you know, the 
80-odd people who are left behind have got no idea why they've left behind, whether, you know, they're in there indefinitely, what, the, you know, have they done something? There's no, there is no explanation. So we have seen a big, big problem with, um, you know, aggravated, you know, mental health, um, you know, since, uh, since those, that release. There was one uh, very similar to what happened in Melbourne, been run quite serious attempted uh, suicide. Uh, there's been an increase in the numbers of uh, people who've, you know, on hunger strike in, you know, in Vida. Uh, you've got uh, other, you know, mental health problems that have seen people, you know, hospitalised for a short period of time, either out of Vida or, you know, Kangaroo Point. So it's a very, very, um, you know, concerning situation uh, that the, you know, that the release of people, people are very happy that, you know, others have been released, but for them there's just despair for the ones left behind. You know, Ian, I know it probably sounds terrible, and I did, I did specify at the beginning of the show that there would be disturbing images here, but it really is dreadful, isn't it? I mean, wasn't there, in fact, three incidents that happened on Thursday the 4th of March which resulted in one refugee being hospitalised and two others in isolation in the Brisbane Immigration Transit Accommodation Centre? Yes, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's right. I mean, there's a... The whole story of how you know me- mental health and mentally distressed people are treated in detention, like needs <clears throat> needs to be told. We've had a you know a few attempts to try and get you know the mental health authorities in different states to you know investigate this actually and <laughs> do something about it because uh, the guy who attempted suicide in King- Kangaroo Point, for example, he ended up in um, it's a new compound, a relatively new compound built in the middle of last year uh, in Bida called Stradbroke. Now it's it's isolation like it's austere uh there's nothing inside there so they've got no mobile phones no mobile phone you know kind of connection they've got no other contact with uh human beings i mean it's called high care but you know i mean it's uh the kind of high care that you might associate with something far worse than you know one flew over the cookies nest um it's not the way someone in the community, even in the worst circumstances, would be treated if they, you know, presented, you know, having attempted suicide, you know, you know, at home or in a hotel or anywhere else. There'd be serious care and serious, you know, mental health concern for that, you know, that individual, you know, support given to the families, you know, to care if that person was, you know, discharged, et cetera, et cetera. It was, you know, but for people who are mentally distressed in detention, they get they get high care, you know, isolation. It's effectively a, you know, a punishment compound actually, um, and uh, that that compounds the problems uh, really. Um, yeah, but as I said there, there needs to be a there needs to be an investigation. It's a whole area of you know mistreatment of people who are in detention, which you know has so far you know flown too far under the radar. So so there were actually some people that were released, but there's also been some that have left left behind, isn't it? Yes, well, there's 22, so 50 got out of um, Kangaroo Point, but that left, you know, 22 behind in Kangaroo Point Hotel. You've got uh, around 30 people who are still, you know, in Bida. Uh, the, the Brisbane, uh, det- you know, detention, uh, what's called transit accommodation, it's the Brisbane, you know, det- detention centre. So there's still, you know, 50 people in, uh, you know, in Brisbane who are, who are in detention and who have got no idea, you know, how long, you know, they're, they're there for you know, so uh, that's what we're seeing. We've seen the the, uh, the level of mental dis- you know, mental distress, mental health distress, go up enormously in the uh, you know then sub- subsequently to people being released. Ian, I know. May I just keep you for a couple more minutes? So just a couple more questions, or do you have to leave? 
No, that's okay. Give me another couple of questions. That's okay. I just love having you on the show, Ian. <laughs> because you're so knowledgeable. Like, I really like the way that you, you explain things in such simple terms so that as listeners do understand and they're educated. So a 33-year-old Somali refugee had shown the symptoms of resignation syndrome. Can you explain what that means? Um. Well, I think people get a bit of an idea from the from the name of it. I mean, it's called resignation syndrome because people have become resigned, you know, to the hopelessness of you know, detention. But uh, what uh, what how it's evidence, I guess, uh, how, it, how it expresses itself is is complete withdrawal. Uh, people stop coming out of their rooms. They stop engaging with uh, with with friends, with guards, with anyone, so they become completely uh, withdrawn. It's, it has been called called uh, you know withdrawal syndrome. So people actually withdraw, and it to the point where they you know it's not it's 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 not that they're on hunger strike in that sense, but they they withdraw. They stop eating. They mostly you know they, then they eventually stop drinking too as well. But mostly it's just that people just withdraw into into themselves, into their room, no social contact, not not interested in food. You you know, they get to the point where they um, it's it's non-interest in food rather than hunger strike but um, that's what we we've yeah that's that was already in evidence in the in the hotels not just in Brisbane but in you know in Melbourne as well but um, yeah as, as you say it's that has got that has got worse you know, since uh, people have been released and he's attempted suicide at the hotel already and he wasn't even given medical help was he the Somali guy he was forcibly restrained and transferred to an isolation how on earth is that going to solve the mental health crisis by using punitive measures? What sort of government do we have here in evidence in Australia? Yeah, well, that's why you know we need, it does need to be a proper investigation. Like the state, we've you know like quite appealed directly because there are very strong laws generally state uh, you know the, the ability for you know the state authorities to intervene in mental health issues is generally quite strong. But um, you know we've been told by Victoria and you know Queensland uh, that the you know the Commonwealth because they are you know Commonwealth detainees that they're they're not able you know to use those you know the state powers you know to deal with the way uh, mentally distressed people are, are dealt with in, in detention. But it does require, I mean, it's, it is, uh, you know, it is something out of the, you know, the Victorian era. You know, you have people who are seriously mentally unwell that are just kept in isolation for weeks and for, you know, for months. Um, you know, there's a guy in Victoria. It's, I mean, it's a bit away from what we've been talking about, but there's a, a guy in Victoria who, you know, has been kept in isolation. Now, he was transferred from PNG as a mentally distressed individual needing mental health, you know, urgent mental health treatment uh, in, you know, in Australia. And he was three days in hospital in Australia, then transferred to the Brisbane Immigration Detention, then to Adelaide. He's now shown up in isolation in, uh, in Melbourne. Uh, but here's someone who's mentally distressed and they get the kind of treatment that you might have got in a Victorian, you know, sort of, you know, mental asylum is the way there's, you know, sometimes depicted in the worst pictures of people being isolationed, chained to walls, the walls, socially isolated, no proper medication, no, you know, proper care. Now, we're trying to get access to that individual uh, to get him the medical care he needs. But um, that's what, as you say, in, in Brisbane, where the guy attempts suicide in Kangaroo Point, he's forcibly strained, no, no genuine welfare, no attempt to help, He's, he ends up in, in an isolation compound in another detention centre near the Brisbane airport. 
Yeah, and this man was reportedly beaten, I believe. That's a, that's not, that particular guy, no. I mean, maybe I was confused in the message. This is another the, incident. Uh, no, that's okay. Yeah, but they were both in the uh, in the isolation uh, in the in the isolation cell. So you had the Somali guy, uh, the guy that he was there, who's the Iranian man. He he was beaten, <laughs> and the and the bizarre thing about that, maybe it needs another story sometime. Yeah, yeah. Mr. but um, yeah, he was he 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 had a letter from you know IHMS saying that he had you know particular requirements in terms of his accommodation. Uh, the guards tried to forcibly remove him from the room. He tried to show them the letter saying he had the you know the medical letter from you know medical services in detention that he had special requirements they said you know stuff that they ignored that uh he ran out of the uh room you know with 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 the letter uh but was uh, subsequently you know sort of surrounded by guards and uh bashed um you know they broke his uh, they broke his hand uh, in the you know in the process he ended up in isolation high care <laughs> as we've discussed uh, as well um so it it's a horror story. That's the truth. I mean, it's a it really story. is. And this is a reoccurring theme in detention. In fact, you probably would have remembered Ali. That happened to Ali. He he wasn't medivac, but he was he was um, um, a, a refugee that was that was in detention some years ago now. Ian, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It was great oh, to have you. Um, and of course, oh, we do need to comment on the fact that the the successive governments really have not. Have not really made an effort, have they, to to uh, to not enough. Not get, enough. get rid of no. this brutal legislation? No, no, no. So if you listen, over the the Palm Sunday, twenty eighth of uh, March, oh, yeah. so there'll be big big rallies right across the country. Yep. So I know people in Melbourne have been outside Park Hotel. That's great. We need to keep up the pressure. But uh, yeah, Sunday, two o'clock. Um, what date is that? Twenty Sunday, the twenty eighth of March. So Sunday the 28th of March at 2 o'clock, the Palm yep. Sunday March. Yep, yep. That's happening, is it? Even yeah, though there's... Yep. Good. Yep, we're going to be physically on the street. Yep. Ian, thanks so much. Take care of yourself. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. Good. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Ian Rintel um, from the Refugee Action Coalition speaking about the mental health issues and problems of refugees Left behind in 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 hotel quarantine, um, well, it's really hotel prison. Um, after some medevac refugees have been released, it really is the most distressing thing. Have a look and Google it on the internet if you wish. Google the Refugee Action Coalition. I believe that there are some video clips as well attached to some of those media releases. It's approximately four eighteen. And we're going to be listening, uh, doing another interview very soon with Mina Singh from the Human Rights Law Centre. But in the meantime, I believe, Peter, you've got some music and announcements. Yeah, oh, this is um, Blue King Brown with um, Moment of Truth.
seen, I breathe, we won't concede, believe it when they come down. understanding why people aren't seeing the fact that prisons are an integral part of a public health response to a pandemic. Like you, I'm really concerned about whether the data is being released very honestly about illnesses within prison. I have suspicions it's not, but really we need very strong leadership in this country that actually cares about people inside, our most vulnerable populations inside. That's what we need and that's not what we're getting right now. We need to keep Radical Voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. hundred years we've been beating down too long on the door my dignity I'm losing here mentally I'm on there's a system here that nails us and we're left out in the cold oh they took our life and liberty friends but they could not buy our soul Joe Hill died, Jake Guevara fought, I'm a warrior lay down dead. If a person speaks out critically here, they could get loaded down with lead. How long can the majority wait for their story to unfold? Oh, they took their life and liberty friends, but they could not buy their soul. 
But the clever man spoke precisely Humanity said was done The greed for greed could not proceed If our struggles to be won For humanity is more important here Than a constant quest for gold Ah, you may take life and liberty, friends But you cannot buy our souls We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years we've been using direct action, citizen science, and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunakurnai and Bidwell and the Nara people and that sovereignty was never ceded. Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. 
So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377.
this is um, 3CR Community Radio and this is the Doing Time show. It's approximately 4.33 and we're going to be interviewing next Mina Singh from the Human Rights Law Centre and I'm just about to welcome her to the show and Mina is heading the, the team of the Torres Strait Islander and Aboriginal people um, and, and doing a lot of really amazing work. Hello, Mina. Welcome to the program. It's very lovely to have you. And I was just wondering before we start, Mina, if you could just tell us where you're from. Yeah, um, so I'm Yoda Yoda from my mother's heritage and Indian from my father's heritage. And uh, I'm born and bred in uh, Kulin country, Kulin nation country. Um, and yeah, living and working in Melbourne, yeah. Lovely. And you're a lawyer at the Human Rights Law Centre. Yes, I am. I uh, head up the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander uh, people's rights unit. Mina, I'm wondering if you could just talk about some of these new draconian laws that the Queensland government is wanting to propose here, and I believe that a number of organisations have rejected these laws. Can you just tell listeners what's going on and what these laws mean? Yeah, um, look, the, the Queensland government's uh, proposing a, a set of laws targeted um, at trying to reduce uh, youth uh, offending by young people and in particular re-offending by young people. And it comes in the context of some very tragic um, sets of circumstances in Queensland. And naturally, I think people are concerned about how the government is going to keep them safe. Um, but we're concerned, and a lot of other organisations are concerned, about um, that the legislation don't, um, won't have the effect of... of of contributing to safety, that they'll actually see a lot more uh, children and young people being locked up um, in, in custody. Um, in a state where already um, 87% of the children in prisons are there on remand, so they're not yet sentenced. Um, so these are, these are laws that are looking to, um, in certain circumstances, um, show against the presumption of bail for children, um, looking at um, putting electronic trackers on 16 and 17 year olds in certain yep. circumstances, and so we're really looking at some really harsh um, laws that, um, unfortunately, we believe will um, will end up entrenching children in the criminal legal system. And also, the longer kids are engaged in the criminal legal system, the more likely they are to become adults who are engaged with the criminal legal system. Absolutely. And, and of course, you've got a lot of incarceration and pre-sentencing as well of um, Aboriginal children all over Australia, really, isn't it? Over-incarceration? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, for, you know, all, uh, across all ages, um, Aboriginal children are overrepresented uh, as members of the, of the prison population in Australia across all states. Um and, you know, people might like to do a sort of a, a racist jump, I think, and go, oh, well, there must be something inherently wrong with Aboriginal kids. But the fact of the matter is these kids are offending in circumstances where a lot of the things that support them and divert them away from the criminal legal system, those things just aren't in place. So they might be coming from homes where there is family violence. They might be coming from... Um, circumstances where they're disengaged with education. Um, and, you know, there's um, 
you know, imprisonment of children, especially, should never be uh, the answer to when children are offended. And kids are offending, something's obviously going wrong with their lives, and we need to understand that better and respond to those things. Absolutely. Look, the media release, I believe, was put out this morning from the Human Rights Law Centre. There's quite a lot of organisations that are that are rejecting this legislation. We've got um, Change the Record, haven't we? Yep, yep. So Change the Record is, is a collection of different organisations working together to uh, reduce over-representation of, of Aboriginal people um, in the criminal justice system. We've also got uh, Caxton Legal Centre, and also the Queensland Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Service signed on, and they're both Queensland, obviously, organisations um, that are very concerned about, about this legislation. Would you say also that it's important to increase investment in services that support marginalised young people and their families? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we often ask why are people, why specifically Aboriginal kids are offending, we don't stop and ask what are the things that stop people from offending, stop kids from getting into trouble. So we know for for our kids, our Aboriginal kids, connection with culture is really important. We know that making sure they're engaged with education, um, supporting their families when they are dealing with, with, tough, with tough things such as, you know, financial instability or perhaps family violence. Um, it's all of those things that um, we need to address that keep children strong in their own families and, and support families as well. They're the things that build up safe communities. You know, it's the Doing Time show. We've been doing this show for many years and one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that we always try to speak about to Aboriginal people the lived experience of prison, the lived experience of culture. And what's really important here, and let me know if you agree with this, Mina, in terms of um, young people, they have to be connected to culture and country and there really needs to be less prisons and, and safer communities. Absolutely. No I prisons, actually. But, yeah, look, I 100% agree that culture is so important. And, you know, pre-invasion culture is what kept us strong. It kept us um, caring for country, caring for one another. And, you know, with invasion and colonisation, we have culture being broken down and um, what we might call the old ways getting getting locked. But... We know that we, when we reconnect people with culture through their families, through elders in their communities, um, we know that they're the things that work. And in Victoria, we've got specifically the, the Koori Courts and the Children Courts. Um, and, you know, the magistrates and the elders sit together with the child and with their family and talk about what will make those, those children strong. And there's always connection to culture, but... You know, by the time you get into court, that's too late. We've got to get involved with that. We've got to be supporting families and children at a much, much earlier age. Absolutely. And, Mina, I, I hope I'm not keeping you too long, but it's it's really um, great to have you on the show. Can you speak for a couple more minutes? Fantastic. So I believe that the the Human Rights Law Centre has done a submission. Can you just stick, talk about that submission? Yeah, uh, so we've done a submission to... Um, so, so the legislation in Queensland is currently with the, uh, their Legal Affairs and Safety Commission and they uh, take submissions from the public and um, have public hearings and such. So we've made a submission that really looks at... tries to put as much um, evidence-based 
um, suggestions forward in terms of what alternatives there are to um, to the sorts of um, legislation, the, the sorts of measures that are being proposed, yeah. but also look at what we are worried about what will happen um, if, if this legislation is proposed. And, you know, the uh, Queensland um, has a um, has the Queensland Human Rights Act that came in in 2019, so two years ago, and it highlights really specific um, human rights protections for children and young people. Um, and, you know, we're concerned that these legislation, um, th- th- these proposed legislation will, will um, you know, contradict those things. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've tried to put in as much information about um, the concerns that we have and, and what we think will, will happen if these, um, these changes go through. One of our biggest concerns is obviously that we will see more and more children being held in adult police watch houses. Um, and in 2019, Four Corners did a story about this, about the concerns of children being held in these watch houses, which are designed for adults. They're not purpose-built for children. They're not, um, you know, they're, they're places where children get put away in and they don't have connection with education or their families or community or culture. And we're really concerned that with this legislation going through, those numbers um, will go up and... You know, we had the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody 30 years ago, which recommended um, a whole range of things, but most notably pointed out that we have so many Aboriginal people dying in prison because they've been put in there for a whole range of, of different reasons. So we want to keep kids out of, out, out of you know, watch houses, out of cells, out of prison. I'm so glad that you mentioned the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody And possibly this will have to be another topic for another interview, but I've just heard about some of the new rules um, that they've put in, that's been put in place or being put in place for the, for coroners. And it's going to be really difficult because apparently a lot of these legal services don't even have funding, do they, to, to head some of these investigations? Yeah, you know, coronial inquests take um, a lot of resources, take a lot of time. Um, You know, these are, Things that need to be funded properly, um, so that you know we can we can really get to the root of issues of, of, of around why um, you know Aboriginal people are still dying in these circumstances. And that obviously includes children. So, so with this bill, the the Youth Justice and Other Legislation Amendment Bill two thousand and twenty one, how can we link that to the Royal Commission? Well, I mean. So at the, when we first started talking, I talked about, you know, the longer kids are engaged with the criminal legal system, the more likely they're going to become engaged and stay engaged as adults. And um, adults, you know, children and adults, they're not rehabilitated in, in, in prison. Yeah. Um, they might stop offending for the time a child is in prison, but when they come out, they're not coming out... Um, with, you know, with, with issues resolved or with, you know, the connections that they need to, to thrive in the community. Um, and, you know, we need to be keeping Aboriginal people out of prison um, because, you know, the very fact of them being in there puts them at greater risk of, of becoming, very sadly, a death in custody and becoming yes. Absolutely, and and I think there's there's a really um, 
important section here in the, in this media release put out by the Human Rights Law Centre where it talks about um, reversing the presumption of bail for children who reoffend in certain circumstances. Yeah. And basically, does that mean then that the, the laws would would have children aged 16 and 17 years old to be shackled with ele- electronic tracking devices? Yeah, so um, in certain circumstances where children of a certain age, 16 and 17, are looking uh, are reoffending um, and they're on bail, the idea is to have them shackled with um, electronic tracking devices. Um, and uh, our understanding is that there's not a lot of evidence that supports that that actually reduces offending. So um, we're really concerned that, you know, I mean, the very appearance of a young person with some sort of electronic device upon them is really confronting. So, um, you know, we're concerned that these uh, measures in this, this proposed legislation isn't taking a long-term approach um, to, really, you know, number one, addressing um, why young people are children offend and then secondly, building up safer communities. Look, Mina, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's it was so important to talk about that. And when do these d- d- does this legislation get debated in the Senate? So the next step is that uh, the um, the Legal Affairs and Safety Committee um, of Queensland Parliament they um, hand down a report in uh, the first two weeks of, of April, um, and then look then to see what happens with Parliament. You know, it's, it's so outdated, this legislation. It's almost like it's 1788 all over again. Look, it's, uh, our concern is that it's going to really um, over-impact on, on Aboriginal young children. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, um, you know, we're, we're dehumanising children and we know that these sorts of laws in particular... Um, and, and sort of sentiments around them do have the effect of dehumanising our young people. So, yeah, it's really concerning. Extremely. And I'm sorry, I, I probably sound a little bit brutal then, but, you know, it's I'm just very sensitive in terms of history repeating itself and oh. about the ongoing genocide of Aboriginal people. Absolutely. Um, you know, in, in last week we had three, three deaths in custody members of our, you know, community um, lose their lives in custody. And um, the impact that it has on our community is huge. You know, we're a small community. We are, you know, we we are close, um, close close-knit, you know, people know each other. And so when these deaths happen, when a child gets removed from community and put into prison, it has a really big impact. Um, they're all of our children that we're feeling. Yeah. Absolutely. Mina, thank you so much for, for coming onto the program. Are there any other final comments that you'd like to make? Um, just that we'd like to see, you know, the Queensland government just really focus, you know, rethink this legislation and really focus on what are the things that, um, you know, stop getting into offending in the first place and, and they're the same things that keep community strong. I know that Uncle Sam Watson, who passed away a couple of years ago now, he's done extensive work. I'm not sure. Do you know Uncle Sam Watson from Queensland? 
He's amazing, and I just wanted to pay tribute to him on the show because he did a lot of work with young people, mm. and did and and actually did, you know, talks a lot about Joe Bjorki Peterson, um, you know, in Queensland and Invasion Day and all sorts of things, and he mm. was very committed to, um, y- you know, connecting young Aboriginal people and children to to country. So. We have to keep that legacy alive. It's approximately 4.49. Thank you so much, Mina, and um, take care, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. And that was Mina Singh from the Human Rights Law Centre speaking about a recent media release that was put out this morning by that organisation looking at a very disturbing, um, disturbing bill which is entitled the Youth Justice and Other Legislation Amendment Bill 2021, proposing laws that reverse the presumption of bail for children who re-offend in certain circumstances. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy. We've got about 10 minutes left of our show. Um, after all that commentary, Peter, I mean, is there time for another song? Yeah, probably two. Two.
and you're back with the Doin' Time show. It's approximately 4.54 and you're back with the Doin' Time show. It's approximately 4.54 and basically we're just about near the end of our show. Thanking our guests very much for coming onto the show. Thank you, first of all, to Ian. We'll have to do Marianne next week. I believe she was tied up somewhere. And thank you to Mina Singh from the Human Rights Law Centre. And a special um, shout-out to Michelle Bennett, who um, organised the media interview at such short notice. Thanks so much to the Human Rights Law Centre for that. And coming up next, we've got Beyond Zero um, coming up. And we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Blackfella, Whitefella, from the Rumpy Band. Stay safe, um, everybody. I'm 